Altitude's undefeated. Crap, we will punch it up, whatever it was in. Not a huge fan of it, I don't know where I was going. I don't think I was running and starting to talk to someone. I don't know what I was doing. I tell you what, Matt, we don't get much by you, that's for sure. Hey Rapids fans, this is Holding the High Line. My name is Matt Pollard. It's the final day of August 2023. The Rapids lost to Minnesota last night at time of recording. It was bad. This Saturday is the second leg of the 2023 Rocky Mountain Cup. It's probably going to be bad, but hey, college football's back, so to all the CU alumni and students listening, Scobuffs, uh, and for Liam Hopkins in particular, go Beavers. Uh, I'm joined now by a man who's got a double shot of Stranahan's on the rocks because it's going to be that kind of episode, Rabbi Mark Goodman. It's not just that. I had a 14-hour workday that followed two 12-hour workdays, and I'm starting to question all of my life choices um, to this point. But you know what? We are Rapids fans, so questioning life choices is really what we do best at this point. You know, there was someone on Rapids Twitter who was kind of complaining about how ridiculous it is to follow this team. And I think they've been a fan for like three years. And I was like, oh, you just wait. It gets better. Then it gets worse. Then it gets a whole lot worse. Then it gets better. Then it gets worse and a whole lot worse and repeat. I, I think Matt, the, how you been? The, the net gain of that, though, Mark, is steeply downward like the. Oh, right. No, if you're if you if you start a stock at 100 and it declines by 40 and then it goes up 10, but then it goes down by another 20. You're not doing better because it went up by 10. But, you know, we like to delude ourselves into thinking that sometimes. Nonetheless, how are you, man? Uh, I'm okay, Mark. Uh, this week's kind of been crappy, to be honest. Looking forward to a three-day weekend, and then I've got a few other... I'm starting to plan my post-MLS trips as well, Mark, because I feel very confident in saying the Colorado Rapids will have their final game of the season on Decision Day on October 21st. Uh, the following weekend is homecoming weekend for my alma mater, the University of Miami. Go Canes, it's all about the U. We're not back Woo. yet, but we'll see in like two to three years. So... I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, there's a lot of other fall stuff that is very, very interesting for me to occupy my time when it comes to the Saturdays. Uh, and it's what, uh, September 12th, I think it is, Rabbi, we get the season two of Welcome to Wrexham. So that'll be a joy wow. in my life. And then we'll have fall stuff. And then by the time we finally get to see if they go up to League Two, I can't wait to find out whether that happens. No, I know. It's the drama behind the scenes that really makes the show. So um, ex- so excited to obviously see that, see what's going on with Paul Mullen and uh, Ollie, Ollie Palmer and whatever shenanigans that uh, the the two Hollywood stars are involved in. And then by that point, Mark, we're going to blink and it's going to be October 21st. And at that point, a basin will be open and I'll have what I'm doing with my life from middle of October until what? middle of february at least into march depending on when the 2024 mls season starts but uh mark we've neglected to uh we had a really horrible gaffe last podcast rabbi what where uh where we both predicted that it was looking very very bad for fulham and lo and behold a poor back pass from bakayo saka and the magic that is jao palhinha helped fulham get a 2-2 draw at arsenal proving once and for all that this team has so many flaws mark 
Arsenal Twitter and AFTV went into an absolute tussle. And of course, this is confirmation of what we've already known, that Manchester City is an unstoppable team of cyborgs and clones and everything, and Arsenal are just only good enough to be second in the Premier League. Mark, what did you make of the HTHL derby? Are you willing to grovel because this is the first derby in HTHL history where there was not a convincing Arsenal victory? Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I'm not, uh, you know, I think for Arsenal fandom, you know, we, we, we talk about this with our friend um, Marco online, former Rapids writer. Um, and I think uh, he's also an Arsenal fan. And I think what we've come to is the kind of um, joylessness that comes with being an Arsenal fan uh, because they constantly finish fourth. And that is constantly frustrating. It's just playing itself out a little earlier this season. Um, I think we're, I think Arsenal fans all expect this team to finish in the top four, but unfortunately, you know, after last season when we finished second, um, and kind of like we bottled it in the final two matches as, as, uh, the, the terminology has come to be fixed, um, kind of like the, the, um, the tuck, the tuck game, you know, for New England fans, you know, we've bottled it is like shorthand in Arsenal for how 2023 ended. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I, I feel like this team hasn't quite found its footing yet. Um, they're a very talented team. They just didn't put together a very good game against Fulham. But I'm confident that they'll it'll be OK. Um, I can't get too charged up about, you know, one big match. Um you know, I, I think the other question that's really going on more so than is Arsenal good enough to win the whole thing is really to ask questions about like the other likely candidates to win it all. You know, Manchester United is a hot mess. I, Man City lost a lot of players. Chelsea was bad last year and added some real firepower. But whether you can go from what were they sixth last year to they were 11th, Mark, they finished behind Fulham and Crystal Palace. Yeah, well, yeah. But whether they can go charging right back up to the top four is is a really good question. Um, and then, you know, the the usual suspects of, of Liverpool, you know, a lot of their players are just getting older. And I don't know that they've, you know, retooled. So I think the questions that a lot of folks have and then forget about Tottenham. You know, we're not we're not we're not seriously entertaining Tottenham. Ange Ball couldn't beat Fulham in the Carabao Cup either, Mark. So by the transitive property, you're still better than St. Totteringham. Right. So the question the question I'm asking is like, yeah, so Arsenal don't look spectacular, but like who else in the premiership looks fantastic? And so I don't know. I mean, I'm now now you're you're grinning and Matt, Matt's got this cat's Cheshire cat uh, smile on like, why not Fulham? Maybe we'll win the league this year. Why not? <laughs> no, and I think I think it's unlikely. But but uh, but, you know, this might be a this might be an enjoyable EPL year where the 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 teams who are in the top aren't like destined to be you know dominant like they have been in the past that we might see a little bit more of a scrambling for the top four top six top eight which i really enjoy the thing that i like the least about the epl is that it's uh, a little bit predictable sorry i've been talking too long matt what do you think gritty gutsy performance from fulham uh gifted the goal but we've uh, fulham has proven now with and without alexander Mitrovic, who's now left the club for saudi arabia that that when they get 
good big opportunities, they generally convert them, unlike the Colorado Rapids. Fulham is like the opponents of the Rapids in that when they are given a gift, they rarely squander and they do not look the Premier League gift horse in the mouth. Uh, I still think there's some holes in this roster. Tony Khan loves himself two or three deadline day deals as well, so I still think there's some work to be done. There's a rumor recently, Mark, in just like the last 12 hours that uh, Bayern Munich are in for Jao Palhinha and potentially are willing to match the uh, what Fulham would value him at with uh, three years left on his contract and him being, for me, the most important player last season other than Mitrovic and Bernd Leno in goal as well. So uh, it's going to be a wild uh, day for Fulham as well. But even if we rele- get relegated, like the, the biggest punishment I could get, Mark, is Fulham getting relegated, being horribly disappointed, and then us, us just wrecking the championship again next year. I still think Fulham stay up. I think they got proper value for Mitrovic. There's a bunch of rumors swirling around that they are spending that money, and I think in wise ways for the right players at the right positions, and if that, that happens with Palhinha, that just means we'll be adding a defensive midfielder to that position Um as well. Moving on, Mark, to another red team that actually got the job done in a big home game against a team that's had struggles on the road this season. Anthony Markanic scores his first goal in MLS play in a 2-1 victory last night at time of recording for St. Louis City over FC Dallas. Uh, it was Markanic in the 82nd, Thornson in the 85th, and then there was a consolation goal with five minutes of stoppage time by Ansa. It should be pointed out just 12 minutes in uh, Mark, pa- Mark Pass, the goalkeeper for FC Dallas, um, did get a red card, Mark. So, you know, you the opponent loses a goalkeeper and you were up. 80 plus minutes for, uh, you know, against the opponent. You should have won that game a little bit more convincingly, but good on Anthony Markanich. And Mark, I have to believe that if, if Pork Smith or the other people in the front office for the Rapids saw that highlight after trading Markanich, uh, that, you know, there have to be some, some bitter emotions around that um something that we have not seen from Markanich but that was one of the I think the brilliant things that made him a promising player Mark and for you more so than me made him a player you were high on because you would occasionally see this thing that you wouldn't see out of him and then it would become a little bit more of a consistent thing I would argue if you go back and look at that highlight that we've seen that header over the back of a defender plenty of times but usually Mark it's been on defensive corners so good on Anthony Markanich he's living his best life he got out of a really bad team to a team that's giving him an opportunity he scored a goal and potentially is going to be getting regular minutes down the stretch for a team that could finish top five in the supporter shield minimally certainly is going to make the playoffs um good for him uh disappointing that the rapids couldn't get more for him speaking of fullbacks mark uh, we did get the draw for champions league earlier this day in uefa champions league and just yesterday two days ago now sambine started and played 90 minutes in the uh qualifier qualifying round whatever it was to get into the group stage for royal antwerp and they won that uh that results against the greek team that's not olympiakos but i can't remember which one it is because it's been six years since i've read the ball this round in any case uh they advance mark and they are in group h as in hapids group h is in Rafael. they are in with barcelona <laughs> porto Shakhtar Donetsk, and then of course royal antwerp uh mark what do we make of uh sam vines getting to be in champions league are we just happy that he's gotten here and is maybe working his way back into the team is there a way dare i say rabbi for Antwerp to finish third or higher and advance to a knockout stage in European competition. Uh, there is. I mean, I'm very excited about this. I think it's really great that uh, that we are watching a former Colorado Rapids player play in the Champions League. We're very excited for 
Sam, I mean, honestly, this is probably all I'm going to be rooting for in the in the offseason, which is to watch Sam Vines do Sam Vines things um, on a big stage, which is what he deserves. It's really exciting. I'm really thrilled about it. Um, it's nice to have a team in the Champions League. I think the challenge, of course, is that um, the immediate response by like some of the outlets that uh, we follow for soccer um, immediately looked at the group that... Uh, uh royal was drawn drawn into and immediately assumed that they're chum that like this is uh a hopeless endeavor for sam and his team um and i i don't know man i mean there there are a couple of tough groups that have a lot of really interesting possibilities and i'm not really sure you know whether people should be so certain that like it's really obvious that this is not going to work out for them you know like i just think it's um so it, it, what were the groups that that people were like oh this is a group of death um people said that arsenal has the easiest path forward because psv eindhoven lawn and sevilla are not strong teams but like you don't really know that you know like you're just assuming that because those aren't big name teams but like eindhoven have a pretty solid team um if i'm not mistaken there is another former rapid on eindhoven um who is I sorry, I, I have to look this up. I'm sure I saw a name and I was like, I know that guy. Oh no, maybe it's um maybe I'm mis mistaking it's Ricardo Pepe and Sergino Dest are on that team. I wish Ricardo Pepe was a former rapid. Yeah, I know I guess I'm mixing it up with some other uh player that I saw, but um uh yeah. Anyways, um uh the other groups that folks were fixated on is like, oh, this group is so 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 easy why is this fair manchester city being drawn into a group with leipzig uh, belgrade and uh, young boys young boys who um beat out maccabi haifa just on tuesday in an absolute bare bottom spanking 4-0 on the return leg um that was a match that i watched and young boys look great but you know how are they going to look against manchester city i don't know and finally barcelona um their group is porto um shakhtar donetsk and antwerp and I think that that's the one that people are like, you know, oh, no way. But I, I kind of am thinking to myself, like, well, Porto and Antwerp match up pretty neatly. Shakhtar is probably the weakest team in that group. And I don't think Barcelona is as strong as they've been in past years. This is probably the weakest Barcelona team in a long time. And it's also to the other point that I was making. It's one of the weaker Manchester City teams that we might have seen in a long time. They've got a number of their really talented players but they lost a couple players in the offseason too so i think there are real real questions that one could draw i think sam has a, a decent shot of making it through to the knockout your thoughts matt um i think those are all well taken mark i think the concern that i have is that we've seen these teams that are kind of upper ish in their group and have been around european competition but when they get to champions league it's at another level and typically it right. does not go well for them so um you know i if you ask me right now mark it, like sambine should be willing to bite somebody's arm off right now for them to finish third and get into europa league where i think they'd have a chance to make a real one i i think there's certainly for for barcelona and porto i think they're absolutely going to be chum that's going to be a really difficult game for them not going to the new camp mark because the new camp is being redefined developed right sure. now yeah. and so they're going to the whatever the catalonia national stadium that's not the small like um 
Liga B team in um in 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 Barcelona. They're playing at that, and the capacity is only like it's like forty five thousand or something like that. So unfortunately, this is a, this was an opportunity for Sam Bynes to say, "Hey, I went and played at the at Camp Nou," and so that's not going to happen for him. But I think it's going to be really difficult. I think they are the most likely team to finish fourth, and I think if they were to finish third and then parlay that into a run where they make it to a quarterfinal or better in Europa League, that'd be really good for them. They are of course still you know, uh, domestic cup and domestic league champions in Belgium. So there's going to be a lot of games to be played, Mark. So regardless of Sam Bynes' standing from an outside back standpoint, there's going to be so many games. He's going to get opportunities. The fact that he got started in a game that they needed a result in, for me, I think is a positive step forward. And hopefully it's better for him if he can get back to the point where he's playing regularly for a team that's qualifying for Champions League, winning domestic trophies, and making runs in lower level European competitions. That bodes well for... Sam Vines at Antwerp. That bodes well for his sell-on value, which obviously would have an implication for the Rapids, and as well maybe getting back into the national team, even though he didn't make the group that's getting called up to go back to uh, St. Louis. Uh, Mark, last thing that we want to mention, we've been like this for the last couple of episodes, folks, but there's there's never been a good time for us to talk about it. Um, we have migrated our RSS feed and our hosting to Believe.com, to Believe.com. Uh, B-L-E-A-V is how it's spelled, just like DNVR. They do some fun things with letters and spelling that allows them to do some copyright. They are a podcasting network that does pop culture and does sports as well. They've started to dabble into the soccer space. They've started to dabble into the MLS space. Uh, Mark, my good friend from uh, last word on soccer, um, Jamie Rook is over on the Revolution Recap, and they are a part of the Believe Network as well. They're looking to expand in a bunch of other MLS uh, spaces as well. And listeners, Mark and I thought this was a good opportunity for us because it's a larger outlet that's giving us access to resources and certain things that we thought would be viable. They are absorbing all of the costs and all of the back-end side of hosting fees, as some of you have seen through the various iterations of what burgundywave.com has looked like since leaving SB Nation. There's some complications associated with that, and we now have a person on that end who helps us with any technical issues. We now have an audio engineer who's going to be listening to this podcast and giving us tips as well. They're helping me improve what we're doing from a post-editing standpoint, so gradually you will start to see a better audio quality product as well. You've probably heard before at the, at the beginning, at the end, and in the middle of the podcast some ad reads as well, and that's all of their doing, and we are getting a portion of that revenue sharing. So as Mark and I look at from an independent media outlet ways, us for us to grow our breadth in terms of being a part of a bigger ship, uh, have our costs go down, and then also get opportunities to um, for larger ad spaces as well. This was an opportunity that we thought made a whole lot of sense. And if that means that now we're no longer paying 30, 40 bucks for the hosting fees with all the bells and whistles and all the analytics that give us insight and everything, and that's money we can pump into the front end cost for merch for people like you, we thought that was a net positive for us that was a net positive for um uh for us on a production side for us financially and ultimately for the rapids community and we'll see where this goes with that um there's some opportunity for us to collaborate as they start to build out having more mls podcasts and maybe that'll be a little bit more relevant when we're not so worried about what's going on inside the rapids house rather than who they're playing on any particular week mark anything you want to say about believe or shall we move on unfortunately to a 3-0 loss against the loons 
I just look forward to believe sending us millions of dollars so that we can both quit our jobs. That sounds fantastic. And also, when you talked earlier about going to Arapaho Basin, because I worked a really long day today, I am definitely feeling like, you know, in November or December, at some point, I will turn to my wife and just be like, I'm getting on a plane. I'm going to Colorado. I'm renting skis. Me and Matt and going to the mountains. Please don't call me. Bye bye. So. Um, usually I want to come to Colorado to see the Rapids play, uh, but right now, um, you know, it's been a while since I made some tasty turns, and Matt, you and I have never skied together, which we should. This is true. Because I'm a pretty good skier. I'm not a good, uh, a 14er climber like you are, but I'm a good skier, and I would enjoy that. We should do that. I agree. We should have, we should have holding the high line ski day, uh... Which would just be me and you skiing and maybe one person be like, hey, I know you guys. We, we've had a few listeners who've, who've reached out, certainly, Mark. Um, I don't know if he still is. I, I think he said this publicly, so I don't mind. Uh, Ski Wilson on Twitter has worked at ski resorts in the past, so he might have some hookup for some either employee discount or certainly I've got a bunch of buddy passes that haven't been claimed right now, Mark, because all of my ski buddies are either buying houses or having children. And surprise, that takes up all of your disposable income to fly to Colorado. Also ruins your ability to to go skiing my kids like never want to ski but also we live in pennsylvania where it's really far to go skiing yeah so there's that so my buddy passes are certainly available mark but yes uh, listeners if you are interested in certainly a ski day um definitely hit us up and we'll we'll if, if we're recording if nothing else mark we'll drop an episode to be like hey it's middle of november we're looking at skiing mark's going to be here this weekend dm us on twitter or email us and then like we'll get in touch and you can come join us for skiing and then uh operate pints and everything listeners uh yesterday this past wednesday at Allianz Arena, the Colorado Rapids played Minnesota United, and they lost 3-0. It was basically the exact same game as the loss to <laughs> LAFC, with the exception of there wasn't a goal in the second half. All three goals coming in the first 43 minutes of play. I'm not going to run down all of the various plays, Mark. Listeners, we are past going at the minutia and the little things that Sam Nicholson oh. kind of did right, or that one chance that Rafael Navajo had in the first minute because the MLS kickoff long ball actually worked for once. Um, 18th minute, Rabbi, it was a penalty won and converted by Emmanuel Reynoso. It came off of a quick throw-in. Moise Bombito was out of position. Reynoso was matched up 1v1 with Ralph Prizo. Ralph Prizo got absolutely skinned and then proceeded to take Reynoso down barely inside the box. Penalty called, penalty converted. Marco Illich guessed wrong. 28th minute in transition, Hassani Dotson with a really hard shot. Uh, there was bounce. There was maybe a little bit of a screen from Andrew Gutman and maybe one other defender. Marco Illich is able to parry it away, but puts the rebound just perfectly on the platter for uh, Reynoso to walk in and tap in at the near post. Bombito caught a field on the transition play and, Re and not Reynoso, and Preso being the last defender, the player closest to Reynoso and the loose ball other than Illich uh, and did not make a play on it. And then in transition, just poor gap control, uh, mirror image of the issues that we saw against LAFC. Ishmael Tshuri Shrade to Timo Puki for a tap in one v one with the goalkeeper to make it three nil. Um, Mark, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a rabbi's choice in this. Do you want to start good, bad, or big? Uh, there's no big thing for me anymore, so I don't I don't know about that. I I'll start good. I I will stay good. Um, you know, I think you know. Moise Bombito was forced to play right back because um, Keegan Rosenberry was out with a lower body injury. I'm really hating that the Rapids are officially calling it this. Matt, you didn't get to ask and post about Keegan at all, did you? You have any idea why our 
our most durable player was not able to endure and and get out of the field. When I asked about it, uh, Robin gave a very ambiguous but still kind of insightful answer, Mark. He mentioned that Keegan had been dealing with a couple of super minor things going into LAFC, and then he had some more stuff as well, and then it just kind of made sense for... It, it seemed like a good time to give him rest, given that it was, I guess, not a not a three-game week, Mark, in that the Rapids are playing Wednesday, Wednesday, Saturday, but I guess three games in 10 days, it made the most sense to have Keegan not play the middle game to then be available for the Saturday game. So I have to imagine that uh, Keegan was not listed originally, listeners, on the uh, original game notes that we had, and then when the roster came out, he was listed as out. Rubio was questionable initially, and then was obviously out as well. Rapids certainly missed him, but I have to imagine, Mark, that um, you know by the time you're listening listeners on Friday morning, the game notes will probably be out. Keegan might be questionable, and then he'll probably play against RSL. And if nothing else, Mark, I don't think it's a major thing that would preclude him from the first game after the international break, September 16th at home against New England, if memory serves. But in any case, he wasn't available, Mark. And I think um, I, I think as much as I have been critical of Keegan at times this season, I think it was a gaping hole that Minnesota attacked regularly and Ralph Preso and Moise Bombito did not defensively match what they needed to have been in ways that I thought Keegan would have vis-a-vis Reynoso. Did you have a good thing? I mean, I, I could go on. I could say that a- Andrew Goodman looked good, but uh, I don't want to steal the only other good thing this team looked like they did. So do you have any good things? Um, I guess to steal one from Robin Frazier uh, at the risk of having our listeners, Mark, roll their eyes and detach a retina. Um, I do think the team was better in the second half. Like at the very least, Kalen Carr had a bunch of yes. really good sound bites on the game call, Mark. And one of the things that he said, I think not a yeah, he was good. Yeah, not a minute into the second half call for Apple TV, he said, you know, when I've been in this position, uh, the Raptors are in this position, they're probably just thinking, like, let's just win the half. Like, nil-nil or one-nil in our favor. Let's not have it be like LAFC where the Rapids have stretches, but LAFC was still certainly the better team. Matt, I've been a basketball coach for high school kids, and that is a thing that I've literally said. Like, we're not going to win this game. Let's just win the half. You know, like, that's that's a thing that you say. I've said it to, I've said it to, to soccer players when I, play, when I coached rec. So, you know, it's a thing. Go ahead. Okay, so in any case, if, if we're comparing this to the LAFC game, Mark, it was both games were 3-0 at halftime, and the Rapids went from losing the second half to LAFC 1-0 to drawing the second half 0-0. So that was a minor positive. That being said, I, I Robin has become a broken record in many regards, Mark, with the media post game. I am starting to seriously question if he is and has been for months now a broken record with the playing staff and with the coaching staff potentially. But, you know, they did I did think that was a minor improvement. I thought Sidney Tavares was much, much better in this game, Mark. I thought certainly in those first 15 minutes, I thought he was better on the ball. I don't think he made as many risky passes in bad situations that led to turnovers. And he he started to cook a little bit, won a couple of fouls that really relieved pressure in those first 15 minutes. Like most players on this Rapids team, after that first goal went in, he kind of wilted. But at the very least, like from the get-go against LAFC, he just got smacked in the mouth or smacked in the ankle whichever foul that was by the LAFC player in like the first five to seven minutes. And then he was just kind of out of it and subbed at halftime. He looked better and he looked better for longer as well. And his intent was there in a way that was someone saying, not put the team on my back, but I am going to 
I'm going to accept the responsibility and take the onus of doing the thing that we need to do that nobody else is doing to try and put us in a position to be successful. That is something, Mark, that we have seen Diego Rubio do, grabbing the game by the horns and trying to control it and trying to get some sense of control with everything else being chaos with the other players on his team being 10 NPCs. We've seen Jack Price do that in the past, and we saw that from Sidney Tavares for the better part of 30 minutes. And I thought, you know, again, Rafael Navajo is not getting the service that he needs. He's not getting the ball in the areas in which it needs to be. But every single time that he had the ball played to him, Mark, there was, there was a good play. There was a, there was a meaningful possession in terms of what he tried to do with the ball that is the level of intent and quality that we just have not seen from Darren Yappi in the final third, and we certainly haven't seen in the build-up play from Kevin Cabral. Um, that's about it as far as... Um, as far as good things, Mark, uh, that's a lot of good things. That was that was a couple of minutes worth of things you said about good things. I could only come up with 30 seconds. OK, um, Rabbi, where do you want to start on bad things? I'll take it. But you I, I'm going to say this, Matt, not because I, I don't love when you go off on a rant, but because I want to save you the anxiety and the potential aneurysm. Uh, Ralph Prizo was a hot effing mess this match he was and it was it was a lot of people on twitter were noticing it it was the it's the culmination of multiple weeks of us saying why is he out on the pitch he's not playing very well it's probably time to set him down and let somebody else try and the response has been i guess from senior management let's give him one more try and i think we're all kind of saying like no 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 that's not the right answer here and then he went out and he did it again um, bad midfield turnovers, um, a lack of effort in certain spots when he should have been making runs, uh, uh, in def- uh, pressing in defense um, and harassing um, the atrocious foul that led to the PK in the first uh, part of the game, which was just a, a boneheaded thing. It was like it was as if the man waited for the opponent to cross over into the pop the box to then hack him down from behind with his leg. It was like, dude, you it feels like you could have made that terrible tackle like a half a second earlier outside of the box, but it feels like you almost waited till you could make it the worst possible time. Maybe I'm overreading that because I'm seeing it through the lens of brown poop that is this season at this point, which is like if the worst possible scenario is an option, then that's what the Rapids will do. They'll do the worst thing. Anyway, so that was that was a bad thing. Um, I think one of the things that was interesting was like Connor Ronan had a pretty good game, but in the context of the way the team played, it looked bad. It looked like he was kind of like running around to plug holes instead of like being part of a contiguous, thoughtful thing. I think the most incisive and clear minded thing I said was what I've noticed from this team. We've talked about it in the past, but I want to be a little bit more structural and specific about it is um, the team gets bent out of shape and wants to either counter press or they have the ball in possession in the middle third and they turn it over and the three central midfielders if the team is playing with three which I think tonight they were or last the other night they were they rush they're rushing forward because they've been told like let's be more aggressive let's get on the front foot let's score the first goal and then the entire midfield is out of position for that terrible turnover, which means that the Rapids have been doing the same thing for 10 or 15 weeks matches in a row, which is they're both not in position to defend from the midfield if they make a bad turnover, 
and they're making bad turnovers. You can either do one or the other, right? You can either push the entire midfield up and be aggressive, but you have to hold on to the ball. Or you say, all right, we're not so great at holding on to the ball. Let's play a 4-2-3-1 or let's keep um, a little bit more defense back because we know we're likely to turn it over in a bad spot or in the midfield, right? That's that's the real killer thing about Ralph Prizzo, which is that he makes turnovers in spots the team can't make turnovers and he's not, he's the attacking mid. Sorry, he's the defensive mid. So there's nobody behind him to help, right? Connor Ronan's already in front of him. So there's nothing you can do at that point. And that's where we all wind up saying like, oh, the back line's not good enough. The back line's fine. They're being asked to defend impossible situations with like two or three guys in a three-on-two or a, a, a three-on-three break that they're never set up to win on. And so it's it's just a total catastrophe. Um, you know, they're just, they're just not, they're just not good. The last thing I'll say is this, uh, uh, Diego Rubio being out again is kind of mystifying for me. It's another lower body injury. Which is different from his upper body injuries, Mark. So if we're going literally Fantastic. based on my reporting, <laughs> there was the knee surgery right before the Seattle game to remove the loose body. He was out a couple weeks. Then it was an ankle. Then it was an oblique. And then most recently, like around like the end of league play where there was the break for League's Cup, it was a back. So then it's another lower yeah. body injury. I haven't been to training yet, listeners. I'm hoping to go to training next week. Um, is it the ankle coming back? Is there another issue with the knee? Is this a dreaded hamstring? string injury does it matter at this point mark because while we still <laughs> we're chum without jack price and diego rubio i wrote about it a little bit ago the last thing i'll say is this um uh one of the other things that i noted that was really um called out really well on twitter uh by one of our um faithful folks um i noted that in the past three mls games the team has produced 0.48 0.63 and 0.40 expected goals. That's really bad. Um, way below where they've been before. Earlier in the season, we were producing about 1.0 expected goals and then not scoring a goal. Now we're not producing any chances that might lead to a goal. And the response from Pratt M on Twitter, one of our followers, is the calling card of this team used to be outrageously high XG with no goals. More evidence Robin is failing to adapt to style of play as the league takes away the one last thing he could lean on, right? You could make the argument earlier in the season that this team produced chances and didn't finish and the finishing was bad and you can't blame Robin for that. I think I wrote that like literally three weeks ago. Well, now they're not producing chances and I don't know whose fault it is. I mean, it, it, it that's not really Porik's fault. Um, it's just... On some level, I know it's a broken record, and I know that you're saying, like, oh, it's just the same as the LAFC game, although I know you're smart enough tactically, Matt, to understand the nuances and the differences between them. But, you know, it does feel like it's actually getting worse, if that's believable for all of you. Maybe that's my big thing, Matt. Like, it actually feels like maybe it's getting worse, and that's not something I thought we were going to... I didn't think we were going to get worse than where we were, like, four weeks ago, but it's worse. You took a lot of my bad things, Mark. So I'm oh, gonna, no, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pinpoint two really specific things and then parlay that into my 
big bad thing, which is going to be a longer diatribe rant like what you just had. Um, Mark, I'm, uh, I'm done with this team on set pieces. You know, they had a number of corners. They had a number of early set pieces. A lot of service from Connor Ronan was not getting past the first defender or was going to the other end of the box to the point where it was out of reach of anybody and not useful. I can't remember the last time this team scored a set piece goal. I can't remember the last goal they scored directly off of a corner. Um, And I think it's a valid question. Why is that and where that's coming from and how there's been so much of a drop off? Uh, Robin Frazier and the other coaching staff love to brag about Chris Sharpie's approach on those. Chris Sharpie keeps his, uh, you know, is a little bit more humble, Mark, and also keeps his cards close to the vest as well. But, you know, the, you know, is Chris Sharpie, is that not working? Is the prep not working? Is the service not there from Connor Ronan or whomever else is taking the corners as well? Or do we just not have the same heads because Lawson Bubakar wasn't in this game and because Danny Wilson has regressed and because Kai Kamara's not on this team anymore? Or was the magic that we saw from middle of 2020 through 2021 through the early parts of 2022 was all of that of the Rapids being the set piece kings of MLS did that just simply come down to the fact that Jack Price was a really good set piece taker and without that everything else shrivels away Um, and that's just another highlight to your point Mark about how nothing is working right now for this team offensively they can get in a handful of good positions throughout the 90 minutes, but then they do nothing with that. And there's no belief in any individual or in the system to continuously, repeatedly create those opportunities that then lead to goals, Mark. And as long as Diego Rubio is going to be out, I don't have confidence in this team scoring, um, regardless of the praises that I've heaped on Rafael Navajo in the two or three pods that we've done since he's joined the club. Second thing I'll say, Mark, as well, um, it's now been I, – I think this is an unfair stat because I think these I, – I don't think there's a lot of goals that he could have done much about. But Marco Ilicha has now played five goals in MLS, if I remember correctly, and he, five games in MLS, and he has now given up 11 goals. And he uh, did not keep a clean sheet in either of the Open Cup games – in any of the Open Cup games that he played in as well. I don't know that any of the goals were really – I guess the, the second one, the other night. Mark was was his fault. I don't know that any of the LAFC ones were his fault. As we talked about after that LAFC game, he made a number of really big saves. Yeah, it was 4-0 at the end of the game. It could have been 4-0 after 15 minutes if he wasn't on his game as well. Mark, I am not in five games and in the time I've seen in training and Illicha has now had time to settle in MLS. I am not seeing, obviously, where Marco is an upgrade over William Yarbrough. I'm not seeing it in his leadership. I'm not seeing it in his communication. I'm not seeing it in how he organizes the defense in front of him to prevent opportunities and to snuff out fires before they start to spread or anything like that. And I'm not seeing it in the shot stopping. And in particular, Mark, and this is a really good point that we make often when we talk about American or North American goalkeepers versus European ones, um, American goalkeepers will I, I haven't talked about this with respect to I haven't asked will this directly but I've seen it enough mark to where he's able to catch the ball and deal with the well like the, the simple fact that these players will grow up playing basketball or playing um American football or another sport where they have to have hand-eye coordination in terms of catching an orb kind of a thing makes it to where American goalkeepers naturally have a better ability to collect the ball rather than punch it and then thus contain possession. And European goalkeepers that are particularly on the lower end of that spectrum will tend to punch down rather than punch up. I have noticed that, Mark. I have seen one or two people 
uh, in and around Marco's past who have alluded to that being something that he has had trouble with at times as well. Mark, I would want to believe my my subconscious and my clear bias towards William Yarbrough wants to believe that Yarbrough catches that shot from Hassani Dotson in the 28th minute and doesn't leave a rebound for Reynoso or at the very least a more veteran goalkeeper who's spatially aware and maybe aware of what Reynoso is trying to do in that game, given that this was Illich's first game against Reynoso, would have had the wherewithal and the ability hand-eye coordination wise to put that ball in a position to where Reynoso doesn't get to it or doesn't get to it and then immediately have a shot with an opening. And so I'm not seeing it. And like we've said, Mark, if it was a foregone conclusion when they got Illicha on loan and then now they've got a really easy exit with Yarbrough having the torn meniscus and he's not going to be back until probably like early October of the like this is the kind of move to where if you make that and if Marco's clearly a downgrade on Yarbrough and Yarbrough makes a full recovery and goes somewhere in MLS and he's thriving and Illicha is a weakness, you know, March, April of next season and the team's bad again, that, that's the kind of thing that. Uh, the Jonas Hill's character would say in Moneyball, that's the kind of move that gets you fired, but um, where's the accountability? And then just to your point, Mark, I'm not the only one who said this. Um, Robin's tinkered a little bit with formation. He has tinkered a little bit with personnel, but fundamentally the shape of what they try to do and how they try to do it is still the same. And I feel like we have enough data points with this team playing 25 games and still sitting on 19 points that they can't play that way and find success. And there's a number of different ways in which they're just too easy to beat. Um, This team, Mark, in 2021, their success came because of their defensive stalwartness when it was when it was needed the most and with how sharp and careful they were with the ball and they were bad at both of those things in 2022 they have been bad consistently at both of those things throughout the season regardless of injuries regardless of um of things that they've changed as well and at some point mark there has to be a let's get back to basics and then just go flat 442 mid block and counter fullbacks be aggressive punt the ball to navajo punt the ball to a kevin cabral a calvin harris a brian gavon a gutman whoever you want into space and let's keep six people back and defend and have two true demons just to try and shield our clearly swiss cheese defense as well and I don't know why Robin hasn't pivoted at this point, Mark. And if he does not pivot to that, given the significance emotionally and possibly realistically for him in terms of his job security on Saturday, I have to question what's going on there. Is he just so committed to his style that he's not willing to give that up? Is him pivoting away from that style? Would that wreck whatever's left of the psyche in the playing staff in terms of, well, he's giving up on the style of play because he's giving up on us. That's an indication that he doesn't think we can execute his vision or mark a a curiosity that I have if we want to engage conspiracy theories is, is Robin's hand being forced? Is he being told to commit to this style of play no matter what by the people above him because that's necessary for the Rapids way? And the only person who ever went away from that mark was um, Anthony Hudson, 
who was doing it because he was effectively told like, hey, you've got a couple games and if you don't turn around, um, you're getting fired. And then he comes out after that Atlanta game effectively knowing that he's already got the sack and then and, and not Anthony Hudson and then Connor Casey, who did a similar thing, Mark, of let's play four, two, three, one long balls to Kamara set pieces, play hard, run fast. And that was basically he was operating as an interim and he had the he had the social capital to do that because of his significance to the club as a playing staff and just the level of chaos that they were operating in. And so is Robin naive tactically? Is he so committed to his vision? Does he think that the players are going to figure it out? Is he playing a long play when short term he probably doesn't have? He might not have that leash as well. Or is his hand being forced by the people above him regardless of the fact that it's not working? I don't have an answer to that. I feel like we're going to get an answer before the end as well. And last thing I'll say, Mark, I, I just we had a sit down with Robin uh, before the season started for about an hour. And I asked him candidly, what's one big thing that you learned from last season that's going to make you a better coach this season? And he mentioned that he and the other coaching staff were just grumpy and pissed off for long stretches last season, particularly in the week after a loss or during the long, really bad stretches as well. And he said, I'm going to do a better job of emphasizing the positive to say, here's the positive thing. Here's what we need to work on. Here's how we're going to be better. And I wonder if he's almost overcorrected, at least in his public statements from a media standpoint, I think he's overcorrected to that point. I think there were points, Mark, where it was beneficial for Anthony Hudson and even Pablo Mastorini to have a go at the players or be constructively critical or to criticize an individual. And I don't think Robin done and much of that this season and I think maybe that's an overcorrection um and so I'm, I'm kind of wondering if maybe being in the middle was actually going to be healthy granted there's so much negative that maybe you have to emphasize the positive otherwise you're just laying into everybody I'm not entirely sure that's my thought but if he's that much of a broken record with uh, every single time I talk to him Mark he has to be coming a broken record or have been a broken record for a while now with the players and that gets old, just like how losing gets old. Mark, we're going to talk about one final Rapids Transfer rumor and RSL and a bunch of other stuff. But before we do that, tell our dear listeners how they can support holding the high line with Rabbi and Red and get one of the final five remaining Cheers to the Six pint glasses. That's right. That's the most important thing, Matt. You stole my thunder. No, just kidding. Um, there are five, yes, ver- yay verily, five pint glasses. So if you love this podcast uh, and you really want to support the work that we do, and you want to get some merch before it runs out, you've only got five chances. So become a highlighter. How do you do that, Matt? Well, you go on to our Substack and you click the subscribe button. You become a uh, yearly subscriber at the $42 a year level or a monthly subscriber at $5. You can even join the Gallery of Honor level at $96, which basically makes us really, really appreciate you and think that you are super awesome. Um, In addition to... Um, getting that pint glass, one of the five remaining pint glasses. Um, you will also get some merch. Uh, uh, merch. You will also get some content that is behind our paywall. Occasionally, we throw some um, interviews back there. We throw some uh, off the color, off the cuff kind of stuff that we include before or after the podcast. Um, we haven't done any lately, but because we've been trying to push out these pint glasses, but we promise to do it. Um, additionally, and probably most importantly, you are supporting our Substack. you are supporting our podcast, you're supporting all the important work we do, um, driving out to training, watching all the matches, 
you know, kind of flying out to Colorado as I I occasionally do to catch things. Um, but just in general, that just appreciating and showing us a little bit of love and appreciating us for the stuff that we do, uh, because you believe in citizen soccer journalism and we appreciate it. Cheers to the sixes, Matt. And we really are glad to have our Highliners uh, support us. Back to you, buddy. Back now, holding the high line with Rabbi and Red. Mark, we've got maybe one final summer transfer thing that might be a nothing burger, um, but Brendan Plone picked out... I love this nothing burger, though. When you brought it, Matt, I was like, this is nothing, and I love it. Go for it. Okay, so uh, Brendan Plone, a friend of the show from the Denver Post, has uh, found an article uh, written, I believe, in Turkish, or whatever language they speak in Turkey. Um, uh, Turkish <laughs> Turkish Sporting Daily, uh, Fanat. Teak, F-A-N-A-T-I-K, not sure how to pronounce that, uh, reported today that former Besiktas player Atiba Hutchinson, retired uh, Canadian national teamer, uh, has recommended fellow Canadian and hashtag Rapids96 defender Moise Bampito to the coaching staff as a late signing. Summer transfer window in Turkey closes September 15th, according to the article. Mark, I don't think there's much in this because I, I don't think the Rapids part ways with a young player who they are so high on long term, a player who is on a generation Adidas contract. So from a roster control standpoint, he's almost a homegrown. And that's something that obviously Pork Smith and the front office value significantly so if they're parting ways with a guy uh, a player potentially so close to the roster freeze date who's going to get a run out regardless of coaching staff situations and where the team's playing who mark i believe will take a step up and get more minutes right now already in 2024 certainly with some exits of at least one veteran center back i think there's more value to be had in retaining him having him continue to work his way into the canadian men's national team and see exponential growth on that value both for the club and then in terms of international interest but um uh, clearly this is not the first time i have seen that foreign scouting departments or foreign clubs in uh, big-ish leagues in Europe are looking at Bombito and aware of him. They're certainly aware of him after what he did, I think, at the Gold Cup for Canada as well. And so I think this is a good indication that you've got that link as well. But Mark, I I think if the Rapids are going to sell on this, it has to be top dollar with a decent... uh, with a decent uh, sell-on clause as well, because uh, just because the, the the Rapids can't add anybody other than free agents at this point, and he's still a young player that they believe in, and the, and with where we are in the season, Rabbi, your thoughts? Yeah, the reason this one is is unlikely is just because tomorrow's the trading deadline. I feel like this has a little bit of heat for like winter, um, but it assumes that the Colorado Rapids are in a position where they have a valuable asset who they, they either don't believe in a la Anthony Markanic, or they do believe in, but they think they can get some good money. The, the way this might go down because he's done been, he's been known to do it in the past is for Porrick Smith to sell Moise Bombito with a really outrageous sell on clause. I mean, I think that like 50%. Probably like even 40 or 30 percent is a lot, because if you're taking a guy like, you know, Sam Vines, I think, has a sell on clause. Right. I, that's the rumor. And I think the understanding of that and I think um, Cole Bassett was supposed to get one if he was ever going to be sold. But the idea there is, all right, we're selling him to a first level team in Europe in the leagues that everybody thinks of that are like those that kind of first tier that give you exposure are Belgium, 
maybe Holland if you're very, very developed, and Portugal. Um, that's where, you know, Reggie Cannon wound up. Um, and, and Turkey's also a possibility there. That's where Atiba Hutchinson wound up, um, although that was kind of like a, a, a long-time career move. Um, and then they settle in for a while, and they prove themselves at, at the Europa League level, and they prove themselves at a higher level. And then the bigger teams in the EPL, the Championship, France, and Spain come calling, and they offer the big money. And so you go from a $5 million sell uh, a transfer fee to like a $25 million or a $50 million transfer fee in your dreams, right? And the Rapids, you know, pick up half of that. That's the dream. That's where, you, that's where you know, Bombito is a possibility. The challenge of that, of course, uh, is to, to go backwards. I'm just kind of spitballing here. But that um, uh, Boa Via, Boa, Boa Vista, Boa Vista. Um, Reggie Cannon's team, if I'm not mistaken, actually never paid the transfer fee that they owed him. And they're still in big trouble with FIFA for that. Um, and I, I think that that might apply to one other player that wound up uh, with that team. So um, I'm not saying that about Turkey. God forbid we get sued by some Turkish soccer team for um, for defamation. But, uh, I don't, you know, the, the HTHL lawyers are uh, working hard to clean up what I just said to make sure that I uh, convert that to the word allegedly, um, right? The key word in any legal matter. But anyways, point being, um, that's that's the best way that I could imagine Moise Bambito uh, going. But I don't think it's going to happen. And if it does happen, I would think it would happen in January. Mark, wasn't that the article that you wrote for Pittsburgh Soccer Now that got like a cease and desist? Wasn't that <laughs> from Turkey? No, that was that's a great story. I love that. For those of our longtime listeners or even our short term listeners who haven't heard this, I wrote a article. It was just a stupid preview of two USL teams. One of them was uh, um, the Riverhounds and the other. I don't remember. And even if I did, I probably might get into legal trouble by mentioning it. They had three players from a team in the Czech third division. I think, um, which I'd have to go back and Google to figure out. And strangely, that team had like seven African players. And I was like, what the hell? What the fresh hell is going on here? And I figured out that they were doing something that I've written about in the past. Um, and that a number of really smart soccer writers have written about in the past and hasn't been written about in a long time, which is called third party ownership. There's a, a sneaky and openly illegal thing in fifa where if an agent makes a deal with a team where the agent and the team basically secretly agree that the team quote unquote owns the rights to the player and owns the transfer rights the team will pay the agent like 50 percent of the transfer fee now that is sort of legal but not really because what this originally was, was it used to be that agents would say, oh, I own the rights to that player. No team owns the rights. If you want to pay a $100 million uh, transfer fee for Killian Mbappe, that transfer fee goes to me, Mark Goodman, the agent for Killian Mbappe. That was de deemed by FIFA illegal in the mid-2000s. So a quasi-illegal deal got worked through where the agent made a deal with some sketchy team, like a team in Cyprus, for instance, that a player, a former player for the Colorado Rapids actually went to. Now, what happens is that team in the Czech Republic or that team in Cyprus 
never actually plays the player. The deal is only made on paper. They are quote unquote owned by that player. But the real thing is that team then transfers the rights to somewhere else. So it's this really sketchy, sketchy workaround for third party ownership. Anyhow, um, that's a thing that happens in in soccer these days. I don't recommend Moise Bombito do that. It's probably illegal. Listeners, this coming Saturday at uh, <laughs> Rio Tinto Stadium, whatever it's called now, First America something, um, the Colorado Rapids will be playing the second leg of the Rocky Mountain Cup. Should be pointing out, listeners, the home match against RSL on Decision Day, October 21st, 22nd, will not count towards the 2023 Rocky Mountain Cup. Uh, Mark Arcel is in a playoff position. They find themselves sixth in the Western Conference. They did lose last night at Portland Timbers by a score of two to one, but there was some heavy rotation in there. Mark, um, on according to the club's uh, press notes, they had two injuries. Holt, the defender, was out with a shoulder injury, and then Pablo Ruiz, who's skinned the Rapids on more than one occasion. Was that with a knee injury? And then we saw some squad rotation as well, Mark. Jefferson Savarino was not listed on the injury report, but then he wasn't in the match day squad. I'm not sure what was up with that. Um, and then Chicho Arango is healthy. Um, he's their big acquisition. Listeners will remember that name from LAFC. And he wanted either a big new deal or to be sold. He goes down to Mexico. He comes back to RSL, I believe, for a record or close to a record free, like $6 million RSL and other Middle-tier teams in MLS are spending big money on DPs up front that have a proven track record in MLS rather than being loans with an option to buy FC. Um, and Chicho Rondo, Mark, came off the bench in that game and scored a goal. I have to imagine, unless there's an injury that happened today or tomorrow, he will probably start in that game. Um, Savarino, we'll see. And then Demir Krylach was also a substitute in that game. I have to imagine he could be back. I'm not sure that it really matters, Mark, because the, you know, Saturday is just such a groundhog's day. We've seen, you know, it took a flurry of two goals in quick succession to get the Rapids' first ever result and a 2-2 draw in the Rocky Mountain Cup, like six or seven years ago and then obviously the only win that the Rapids ever have at the Rio T one of their rare modern era of MLS wins in the Rocky Mountain Cup was a 5-0 drubbing of them during COVID Mark I don't think that COVID 23 or another global pandemic is going to hit MLS in the next 48 hours in time for that to take effect and then thus create the weirdness of the 2020 season that would then allow the Rapids to get that result I, I don't think it matters who they bring up in this one Mark Paolo Mastroeni is a fantastic motivator uh, they set up in a flat four four two. They run their their they run their socks off, and they are set up perfectly to press a little bit, wait for the Rapids to make a mistake, and then immediately punish it. I I can't see a scenario, Mark, where the Rapids get a result in this game. We're 48 hours away from it. I feel like the Rapids are already down 3-0 at halftime. And if they can't get up for this game, if they can't get any kind of result, Mark, I don't know how there's hope for the Rapids to do anything but finish last and win the wooden spoon. And if it's 3-0 at halftime and we just see another game like this, I, I have to seriously wonder, is Porrick Smith's hands going to be forced and is Robin Frazier going to be dismissed from the club by Monday lunch if they lose this game 3-4-0? Yeah, Toronto got three points the other day in a very surprising game, and in Inter-Miami got uh, three points in their last MLS game, and then one point in a nil-nil draw to um, Nashville. That means both those teams are on 22 points, and the Rapids are still on 19, meaning we currently hold the wooden spoon. It's in our hot little clutches right now. Um, you know, the last time uh, the Rapids played RSL, they lost 3-2. to two. The score makes it sound like that was a closer game than it was. It really wasn't. 
RSL scored um, twice before the Rapids got on the board. Then they scored one more time before the half. They were up three to one, and then they went on to win that game. That one was at the Dick. Um, now this one is on the road, and it's a totally different team. Um, you know, the Rapids went to battle with uh, Brian Acosta on the field at that time. Um, Diego Rubio was not there. Uh, he wasn't healthy, but um, there were a number of other players who've been cycled out of the regular rotation. Uh, so we're looking at a totally different Rapids squad. I just kind of wonder, you know, who. it doesn't matter about the personnel, about, like, the, the morale of the team. I'm really kind of wondering how these players go into every game kind of thinking like when's the last time we won how do we win what are we supposed to do here and i also think all the points you made earlier in the podcast matt about whatever robin frazier is saying whether it's a broken record i think that was a really really good point matt and i don't call you out for your really interesting brilliant kind of ideas every once in a while but like you know it it, it was I mean, on some level, honestly, it's a whole article by itself or a whole question you should ask other media or other folks out there, which is when you see a coach come into post game or come into post training and you ask him questions and he gives you the same stock answers that he's given week after week after week and you're turning over no new material, you think to yourself, if he's this repetitive with us, how is he any different with the players, right? And the answer is probably if a coach is not particularly eloquent, creative, or unique with one group of human beings, it's unlikely he is eloquent, clever, or unique with a different group of human beings. The fact that he's not great with the reporters implies to me that you are probably right. He is not coming up with new and innovative ways of lining this team up for this week. The other thing I'll add to this is, and again, this is, there's no point in doing tactical analysis at this point of the season anymore. It's we know what's going to happen. It's the same team. Right. I wouldn't even say it's like vibes. I would say it's like, I don't know, it's 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 bad juju at this point, um, which is I have to wonder when you've got Tavares on the field, when you've got um, Bombito on the field, who's young and new, um, when you've got uh, Rafael Navajo on the field, which we assume all three of those guys are going to start. Do they even get? any sense of how important this game is to supporters like rs like i remember in multiple seasons that i've covered this team we have sucked there was no playoffs in sight but there was one last bite at the apple where if we just drew or beat rsl we won you know the rocky mountain cup and that was a big deal like if there was nothing else to go for there was that and I don't know that this team has that ethos anymore. There are very few long-term players on this team. There's like Danny Wilson and Cole Bassett. Cole Bassett really understands it, probably. Um, Price and Rubio, I think, understand it. But they're both they're both unlikely to be there. Yeah, you know, like they're they're going to be up. I have to believe, Mark, that the message will be sent to them. Whether that will resonate in the same way, but yeah, I right. think the it's an interesting question because you know, like the so Mark um, Fulham won their final three games against um, uh, against or their final two games against Everton or three. So the relegation year during COVID, um, they won at what's what's Everton Stadium? Why can't I remember? It off the top of my head. Goodison Park. Goodison Park. 
So they win that, and then they win towards the, the middle of last season, and then opening day, they were at Goodison Park, and so their final three games that they had at Goodison Park, Mark. And so they won their final three games, and prior to that, Mark, you have to go to 1956. My parents were not alive the fourth most recent win that Fulham had had in all competitions at Goodison Park. And while Harry Wilson, or a relatively new player who doesn't have anything to do with that, who's not connected with that, the supporters suffer through. There's two generations of Fulham fans had never seen Fulham beat Everton at Everton. And so is it Ralph Preso's fault, or is it, you know, Andrew Gutman, who's been here for five minutes? Is that necessarily he's carrying the responsibility of giving the Rapids the opportunity to have a referendum on this rivalry and he is carrying the weight of a supporters who for over a decade now have only known going to the Rio T losing staring into the void being sad and watching RSL lift this trophy knowing that RSL just assumes they're going to win it and RSL as a club and their fans and their players just continuing to live rent free in the heads of Rapids fans online in the stadiums and in the banter and everything and so like the do they understand the significance of the like winning this game and winning the Rocky Mountain Cup and then even if you don't make the playoffs or win another game this season if you go on to not win the wooden spoon the emotional significance that that would have for the club i have to believe that jack price is aware of that and diego rubio is aware of that and they're going to try and disseminate that information and make it understood i don't know if they're going to feel that in the same way i have to i have to start to question with how many losses and how bad wednesday is what feeling and what reaction we're going to see from the rapids and if we don't see a reaction and they're down three nil after 30 minutes then that's just proof of that that's further proof of what we've already known about this club and we're all just waiting for it to be october 22nd so we can hit the reset button and everything needs to be you know uh burnt to the ground and hit the reset button and start over yeah mark we 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 both have losses on saturday right can we move on oh yeah i think i mean it'd be it'd be interesting Uh, it'd be interesting to see if this team could set some sort of I'm, i'm just guessing that it would be some kind of MLS record to lose three games, three nil in a row. But I think that's possible, right? Isn't that where we're at? Well, four, it was four nil against LAFC. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be cool because then we would have lost by a collective 10 to nothing in the last couple of games. I don't know. I mean, there's definitely some teams out there in MLS history who've been epically, terribly, incredibly bad. D- DC United in 2000 and something or other 2013 but they won the open cup we'll have a which is their bizarro the bizarro season but there there are some bad mls teams out there but could the rapids be you know especially uniquely epically bad in a new and different way it could be i don't know we'd have to look that up all right mark we're an hour and five minutes into this a little more um let's get to our ask hthls and then get out of here um so we've got a question from dustin at viv savage 303 um, asks, uh, I can't think of one player on this club that has exceeded my expectations this season, open parentheses, maybe Max before he was sent home, close parentheses. Uh, if you agree who shoulders the majority of the blame, I'll take responsibility for expecting much more from Bassett, Maxu, Cabral, dot, dot, dot. Mark, is it reasonable? Uh, have you seen a Rapids player make uh, exceed your expectations in terms of growth throughout the season? And if not, where does the blame of that fall on? What does that blame pie look like? Is there is there any is there any one player who has exceeded my expectations? Yes, you this season. 
Yeah, I mean, Moise Bombito is exceeded. I had expected nothing of him. Okay. I expected him. I didn't expect him to make the team. You know, I was like, oh, he made the team. That's cool. And then I was like, oh, they're playing him. That's cool. And then I was like, oh, he's starting at right back. That's kind of cool. And he, you know, he made some mistakes, but I, I was pretty happy. I mean, Lalas Abubakar has made mistakes, but overwhelmingly, he's generally a good center back if you put him with a bunch of other defenders who can defend with him. If he's the last gasp emergency defender every single game, not a great defender, but you know what? Not too many people are. I mean, even Jerome Boateng got turned upside down by Lionel Messi. Um, where where does the... Okay, Mark, I think the, the crux of the question is where does sorry. the blame lie for players not progressing? Does that mean that they are... Are we fighting at the bottom with the bottom group of players? Is the coaching staff not doing a good job of developing them? Or is this a bunch of swings and misses by the front office and they're projecting their expectations onto an ever-heated yeah. seat that Robin Frazier is occupying? Yeah, when I wrote the article about reasons to fire Robin Frazier and reasons not to fire Robin Frazier, I kind of addressed that, which is there's a certain amount to which a a talented young player who you expect will grow, doesn't grow, goes to the coach, right? Like coaches make players better. And if they don't make players better, there's a 50-50 level of responsibility, which is maybe that guy's not that coachable or he's kind of maxed out his talent and technical ability level. But also maybe the coach doesn't know what to teach him to get better, right? Like, you know, there are lots of discrete skills in being a good soccer player and if the coaches don't identify what you're not good at and then work on them and spend time on it, you don't get better at those things, right? Like, I I will repeat a story that Alan Gordon repeated on the Benny Fellhaber show, on the Sal and Benny show a while ago. We haven't talked about it in a really long time, but he, and I don't know if I've ever talked about it because I was so kind of appalled by the way Alan Gordon kind of savaged the Rapids in that thing, but Axel Schoberg was Alan Gordon absolutely savaged him because Axel Schoberg, when he was supposed to be training with the rest of the team, he did a lot of side work about clearances. And when Gordon asked him, what are you doing? Why aren't you playing 77 with us? Um, Schoberg's response was, I'm working on what I need to work on because I'm, you know, clearances are the most important thing. And one could make a very strong argument that Schoberg was working on the thing that he was already good at and didn't work on the things that he was bad at, like passing under pressure or dribbling forward when he needed to kind of step to and move the ball out. That's a really good question for the coaching staff and for Robin Frazier specifically, which is when you see a player who's deficient in an area like Ralph Prizzo, who makes bad passes under pressure or when he's surrounded um, like Connor Ronan, when um, he's kind of in a in a position where he's got to figure out whether he's stepping forward or stepping back into defense, um, like Sidney Tavares, who you know kind of needs to figure out how to integrate with the team and figure out how, what the system is, um, like some of our wingers who don't know when to cross, to shoot, to cut in, or to pass the ball off. Right, like those are all developmental questions that players haven't really gotten better at. So I think those are that's where the 50 50 responsibility is, is, you know, we aren't seeing a lot of Jonathan Lewis these days. And one of the reasons we're not seeing a lot of Jonathan Lewis is he hasn't progressed at all in three years. That's probably for me, Matt, an example of a player who it's not the coaching staff like he's just not he's just not coachable or teachable. Speed merchant. Yeah. 
He is what he is. He's one-dimensional. Luke Beasley asks, uh, what would have to happen over the next four months for this to not be the worst PIDs season in history? I personally also factor in that FSL is having a pretty good, pretty great season into uh, general bad vibes for this season. Uh, Luke, there's a bunch of ways for us to quantify this being a historic season, both for the Rapids individually, for uh, them in the context of other teams in MLS this season, and them historically. I'll start off with the simple fact that the only other time that the Rapids have finished last in the Supporters Shield table was in 1996. I feel like that's excusable. Everybody's an expansion team. Everybody's figuring it out. The Rapids have not finished last in... MLS since then, but uh, Jason Maxwell at Rapids Jason, guy from Views from the Couch, um, had a couple really good tweets, Mark, that I'm just going to steal and quote um, here to kind of quantify that the Rapids are on track to set a bunch of records um, or, you know, are potentially about to break them as well. So um, all of these are from Jason. If we don't beat Minnesota or FSL this week, I think we'll tie the worst run of form in team history going back to the 2014 season where Pablo got one win from the last 15 league games. And that doesn't include the U.S. Open Cup or League's Cup losses during that current stretch. So potentially, Mark, we're talking about the worst winless streak or the worst only one like time between a third win because you get the one and then you have to get the second um, uh, in club history. Uh, With tonight's shutout, uh, the Rapids are now on track to tie the league record for least goals in a 34-game season with 22. D.C., 2013. Sidebar listeners. DC United won the Open Cup that year. They beat RSL at RSL in that one. You win a trophy even though you have a horrible league season everything. That's success for me. Uh, That's also the worst goals per game average in league history. Uh, Rapids are currently at 16. Both of these stats exclude the COVID-disrupted 2020 season. Jason, you're way better at this histrionics and comparing the different seasons and games played and the shootout era and everything, which is why I'm going to you on this one. Um, As far as points go, the Rapids need three from their last nine games to avoid having one of the 10 worst seasons in league history. I think they get there, but I was a lot more confident eight days ago. At 19, they're at least avoiding the five worst seasons, including DC's 2013 season. Talking about home results, only three teams had two or less home wins in a season, the 2018 San Jose Earthquakes and the 2020 and 2021 FC Cincinnati teams. 2020 was, of course, the COVID-impacted season. Um, there's a good chance the Rapids join this Rapids team joins that list. In 2018, uh, Uh, Fans in San Jose saw 66 goals scored at home games between the teams in 2021. Cincy fans saw 46. 2020 had no fans, obviously. Uh, This Rapids, uh, this year, Rapids fans have seen 17, 7-4, 10 against in league play. Not hard to argue. It's the worst viewing experience in league history so far for home teams. Uh, Mark, I I think it's flat out. If the team finishes bottom of the table, if they don't win another game this season, if they win the wooden spoon, I feel very confident in saying this is the worst and the most disappointing season since winning MLS Cup. Um, And Luke Beasley uh, and Jason Maxwell, we are running, we continue to have more ways to quantify it that are just depressing and extremely repetitive. Yeah, I'll just say really quickly, Matt, you covered it really, really well. But like, if you look at the website that I've gone to more often than any other this season is called champsorchumps.us backslash records backslash worst dash MLS dash regular dash season dash records. Um, and basically, um, if the Rapids win four games this season, 
they put themselves in roughly the top 10 worst seasons. If they win five games, they move into the top 50. They're only in the, the 10 to 15 slot. Six wins would be great. That means in the final nine games of the season, they need to win two or three games to not be the worst season ever. And I don't think that that's likely. Looking at the at the lineup of teams we're left to play, the only game I'm hopeful of of a win is the Portland game because Portland are a hot mess too. I don't think there's a single team left in the final nine games where I'm like optimistic about them. Matt, are there any other wins that you see out there for us? Austin at home would be the one home game that I have any confidence in, Mark, after the international break they'll get new england revolution and then seattle those don't bode well bruce arena ambiguous we don't know what's going on in her, uh investigation notwithstanding but by the time we get to austin i think austin's the third to last game of the season off the top of my head mark or it's the second to last home game like the there's a very real we could win that last game against Salt Lake if they rest everybody for the playoffs. I, I, I've, <laughs> no, I I've, I've seen go. this. I, I, I've seen that movie too many times to know what. Yeah, happens. that's like when we started all of our starters in the Rapids two game a couple weeks ago, and then they lost. Yeah, uh, and then last guys <laughs> ask ATHL. Mark we have is from our good friend Scott Hammond, uh, and Scott asks: Is there anything supporters can do to influence the league to force KSE to do more, or are we stuck being like this forever? Um, Mark, I, I think so. I, I I'll start with um, if you're a season ticket holder, don't renew your season tickets. And I believe, Mark, there's a there's a forum where there's an option for you to give feedback. I don't know who reads that. I don't know where that goes. Is that just a Google forum that ocu- that you know that populates a do not reply at coloradorapids.com or a KSC email address? But say specifically that it's the results and call out names and call out players and say that you want more accountability from ownership and the fact that Josh Kroenke isn't funding the team and continues to be behind in MLS is a reason behind that. You don't want to give money to an organization that you don't feel has a future. Bring up whatever questions you have constructively about Porrick Smith or about Robin Frazier or about the players that you want as well. You can not buy merch. I don't think it's super productive, Mark, because there's really easy ways for it to be hateful and pointed out the wrong people as well. But um, you know, I, I think there are constructive ways for you to get at the mentions in Twitter and on other social media platforms on the club's official accounts and official posts to where you can say something to where then I, I don't know, Mark, if, um, you know, if Pork like goes to the Twitter admin and says like, hey, what are people giving feedback on this? But, you know, I have to think if it's so vocal and so present on that, that that would at some point work its way up the chain. And we have what, Mark, four, five, four or five home games left. And there's opportunities for you to, again, constructively boo or make a banner and if you want to chant pork out or cronky out or what have you or if you want to walk out there are ways to have your voice be heard and seen and felt in that regard again there are ways to go about it and being constructive i don't know mark that anybody from the front office is going to show their faces that tailgate the rest of the season but you can go up there and you can like going Not up without a team full of uh of, of security guards surrounding yeah them. but you know going up to someone from the front office and flipping them off and you know 
chanting a bunch of four little words and invoking their mother and everything is not constructive, healthy, nor I think fair. But, you know, you can go up, you can ask and you can say, you know, Kevin Cabral's got three goals and two of them were tap-ins where the other player did a bunch of work and you made a big deal about that. And this was supposed to be Distress Assets FC and this that move hasn't worked out. That was high risk, high reward, and the reward hasn't been there. What are you doing? What is the club doing? What is he doing in order to make him a better player tomorrow than he has been so far this season? What are you going to do in this offseason to make the team better? I don't have faith in you and how you are running the club. I feel like you are not being constructive in that regard, and that makes me not have confidence in you. That makes me not want to be a Rapids fan. Um, And I, I wish somebody at ownership would express the same level of care and emotional feelings and feelings that this can be righted, this should be righted, and this needs to be righted, and we deserve more, and you're not doing that. I think that's far more, I think having a, a human moment, Mark, in like that, face-to-face if the opportunity presents itself. And again, you can be constructive and empathetic um, and be a good listener and pay attention to uh, emotions and nonverbal communication. I think there's a way for that to be productive. And I think it means way more for a longtime supporter to say that directly rather than for the media to be a conduit of, hey, this is the feedback we get on Twitter because everybody's hating on us because clearly them hating on the club's official accounts aren't leading to a positive impact. Anything else on this marker? Um, you know, can we land this plane? I'll I'll just add one. Th- I think you were totally on point about a a uh, 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 season ticket holder strike. Um, I don't think writing letters is going to make a big difference, but I do think, and this is an odd way of looking at it, but I do think joining C thirty eight and and making your voice heard from that direction. I think supporters groups have unique power in the American sporting landscape, right? Like if you are a Jets fan in the throwball NFL. You have you don't really have a union, an organization to raise your voice, but like supporters groups in American soccer culture are a unique animal that have created power. And I do think that C38 are they've been interesting because this year they've been a little quieter than they have been about the failings. Uh, They've been quiet publicly, Mark. Uh, they're, they're, They're talking about things. Stuff might be happening. Right. And I think I think more people getting in to C38 and saying what I mean the interesting thing about what you said Matt is you and I both love this team because we are kind of like citizen soccer supporter journalists we're kind of like we bleed into that gonzo journalist school of like we're not we're willing to say very openly on something unlike what independent truly independent newspaper journalists say which is like I um I am independent and I am neutrally covering this team. Like we, I'd, I'd push back a little bit on that for me you're, personally. You're Mark. a very, you, we're both very intelligent and capable of being both objective while also, I think, believing that we want this team to do well, right? Like neither of us is rooting against this team or would say we're neutral about the success of this team. Like we, we are invested in the success of this team. If you disagree, that's okay. I'm wearing the reporter hat a little bit more. I think oh, you're that such there's. A good person. I think there's a lot of interesting things. Uh, I think there's. I think it's an equally interesting experiment in terms of sports journalism and storytelling and relating to the human experience with everything going pear shaped and wooden spoon and a bunch of people are fired as there are magnificent, fantastic season. And I'm more interested in. I'm more interested in understanding about it than I am 
its success. So if we're like from a scientific standpoint, Mark, when I was a research or uh, like I was more interested in what I was researching and how it understood rather than I was about getting the paper out and the science being good or me discovering something. That is something that has been relatively new. You want to wear the fan hat more than the reporter hat. That's totally fine. Continue. Anyways, my point is, I think that joining C38 and um, trying to create more of a voice through C38, a, a place, a, a sounding board, a place where you can raise an objection is another way to do it. Other than if if you feel like I think there are fans that I have followed in the past who have said I gave up on the Rapids a couple years ago and I don't follow them anymore and I'm much better for it. I gave up my tickets. I don't care about this team anymore. I know a bunch of people like that. It kind of breaks my heart because those are the kind of people who have they gone another way could be a pressure point on management for major change. So that's my take. Um, you know, these are both, I think, to some degree, Matt, optimistic takes, which is the belief that fans and supporters can have an effect on the real situation by voting with their wallets, by voting with their voices, um, because there's a truly pessimistic, nihilistic voice in the sports world that says there's nothing you can do. It's pointless. Kroenke's going to run this team into the ground. Nobody's listening. Nobody cares. All is lost. Pointless negativity, blah, 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 blah. Death, depression. Um, but I, I, I don't want to go that way because powerlessness is a choice and no one should truly feel powerless with the Colorado Rapids. Well said. Let's let's get out of here. That's a wonderful note for us to end on. Uh, listeners, follow Thanks, us collectively buddy. on Twitter, X, whatever it is these days, at soccer underscore rabbi, at LWS Matt Pollard, at Rapids 9-6 Podcast. Check out all of our collective work on all of the soccers at, firstly, at our Substack, holdingthehighline.substack.com, burgundywave.com for me, uh, for other Pittsburgh-related stuff for Mark, Pittsburgh Soccer Now. Uh, Mark, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Riverhounds are going to make the playoffs, right? Yes, no? Oh, yeah. They're like, I think the magic number for clinching is three right now. They're doing fantastic. The hope is with with Riverhounds and with the USL and the way the structure works is it's always about how many home games we get. Um, And attendance has been fantastic this year. They've sold out more games than any other uh, season in history. They've had standing room only crowds. uh, Pittsburgh soccer is really kind of on the up. Um, We're doing great here. So, uh, you know, if you want a vicarious second team to root for, you're all welcome to root for the Riverhound. <sighs> Must be nice. Uh, switchbacks are doing all right, Mark. Um, and Amon Zayed from Hailstorm just got a contract extension as well. So uh, before I was interrupted, Pittsburgh Soccer Now for Mark and then for my other non-Rapids-related content, uh, lastwordonsports.com backslash soccer. Big international window coming up, obviously, Mark, for the U.S. men's national team. Uh, if you want to get at us uh, like we did with several really good Ask HTHLs tonight, you can tweet at us using the hashtag AskHTHL, assuming they're still called hashtag tags and elon hasn't changed that or if you got us in long form uh you can email us at rapid podcast at gmail.com listeners thank you much for joining us um you know if you're traveling this weekend uh safe travels happy labor day uh, enjoy your time in Santa utah it's going to be beautiful hopefully it's successful um and if not mark and i will be back here to uh to analyze the ashes that potentially robin frazier is no longer ruling over um, monday or tuesday peace